Well, the Big 12 seems like it's still looking to expand, and frankly, I don't blame them. I don't think anybody else does either. But their talk on Pac-12 schools seems to have softened. Sort of. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pack 12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights free and beloved Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which is jam packed with realignment questions and concerns that some of you raised a little bit uh, earlier this week or last week. Going to get to those today on the show but first the big 12 is very much in the mindset the mentality of hey we want to expand right there have been active discussions that have taken place between some pac-12 schools and the big 12 which i think is the pac-12 schools doing their homework and the big 12 really trying to lobby them to come over schools like colorado and arizona there have been rumors and reports about gonzaga about yukon about memphis and then brett yormark shut the memphis thing down and whatnot but all this to say, what Ross Dellinger pointed out, I think I discussed you know, a few weeks or a month ago on the show, that realignment is not going away just because a move has kind of been made. Yeah, that is coming to fruition here with the Big 12 because they're set until 2030, but they're thinking about what they might want to do in 2030 or beyond 2030 or a move they could make right now, which they could do even with their current media rights contract. We'll talk about that later in the show. But this piece recently from Heather Dinich at uh, ESPN, senior writer over there, longtime college football reporter whose work I think we've all been reading for, for quite a long time, was kind of summarizing these meetings that we saw uh, within the last uh, week or two uh, amongst the Big 12 presidents and Commissioner Brett Yormark talking about what their next move might be an expansion. And for a long time, you know, we've talked about here on the show and other shows have talked about and other individuals have uh, chosen to talk about with more seriousness than others, perhaps at times, whether or not the Pac-12 schools are going to be on the Big 12 schools radar. And I think they're still very much on the radar there. But when I read this entire piece, it's not that long. It's like a you know 60 to 90 second read or so, depending on how quickly you uh, peruse through words on a screen in front of you. The phrase Pac-12 or any Pac-12 schools or any mention of a Pac-12 schools only came up once. Now, this is only a few hundred words, but to me, this indicates that the Big 12 is no longer actively pursuing Pac-12 schools. It does not mean that they are not still in the market, shall we say, or they aren't still interested in adding the schools we've talked about here on the show. I think they are, but I, I think we've reached the point where you can write an entire piece on Big 12 expansion coming out of a meeting of commissioners and or, or of, of a commissioner, I'm sure there were associates and deputies in there as well, and presidents within the Big 12, and not be talking about Pac-12 schools to add, tells me, I think, two things. Number one, what we have said all along here on the show, and that's that if the Pac-12 gets a media deal, 
that is in the ballpark of the Big 12, no one is going to jump. And the second thing that it says is the Big 12, I think, has kind of already made their pitch. I don't think there's any active lobbying. I don't think there's any active discussions. I don't think there's anything else for the Big 12 to do. They have had contact with Pac-12 schools. There have been reports that they've met with Colorado about trying to get him to come back and such. That was a piece I read from Pete Thamel uh, just yesterday that came out on ESPN. You can go check that out. Said that, look, there's been contact between these schools. The Big 12 would like them to come back, but Colorado wants to, say, wants to stay in the Pac-12. But this is the first piece I've really seen that hasn't actively and presently discussed and has, had insta- has instead just passively mentioned the Pac-12 schools that the Big 12 is going after here. So here's what it reads. The Big 12 is adding four members, BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF in time for the college football season. But uh, sorry, that was at the end of the line that uh, that, that I meant to read. As we think about the future and ways to create value, your mark added, there's always that option to decouple basketball from football to see if there's further value we can create for the conference. A source told ESPN that UConn and Gonzaga were, quote, certainly talked about in the meetings, which were held at the posh Greenbrier Resort, but the presidents and chancellors are in a holding pattern until the Pac-12 announces its television deal. So, and you can read this one of two ways. Number one, UConn and Gonzaga are a backup option, which is kind of how it seems there, right? If the Big 12, or if the Big 12 can't get any Pac-12 schools, Gonzaga and UConn are plan B for further expansion right now or expansion in the long run and such. Or you can read this as UConn and Gonzaga are now at the forefront of what they are doing. And they've been discussed on more than one occasion, by the way. When in, in, in the media landscape here, I see them get tossed around pretty regularly, and I think it's an understandable fit, right? Brett Yormark has, has made it very clear that, yeah, we know football drives the bus and whatnot, but yeah, we, we think there's untapped value in basketball, and they want to go all in on that. Might be kind of the only card they can play at this point in time, given the football brands that'll be left once Texas and Oklahoma leave and the ones that they're adding. It might be their strongest play because they are the best basketball conference in the country, and they're trying to lean into that. Well, if you're trying to expand and make yourself a stronger basketball conference, adding the current national champions in UConn, eh, that'd be a pretty good move to make. Now, UConn football is nothing to bat your eyelashes at, but that's why I was talking about San Diego State yesterday on the show. San Diego State could be in the mix there if you're the Big 12, and I think they'd be foolish to ignore them if the Pac-12 isn't able to get it together in time. But... If you're trying to lean into basketball and you think that, you know, basketball, which generally accounts for my understanding is at like 15-ish percent of a media deal uh, in terms of its valuation. If you think that one day that number is going to, let's just say double and be 30% or at least get to 25%, be a quarter of it. And you're trying to enhance the valuation of your media rights deal with uh, Fox and ESPN as much as you possibly can, and you feel like basketball is is a way to do that. And by the way, I love college basketball. I watch a lot of regular season college basketball. Not as many other people do. They all kind of wait until March Madness comes around. But you can get more money incrementally, not substantially, but incrementally for your league if you have teams that make a run in the NCAA tournament because every game that's played in March Madness by a team from your conference 
a unit is then distributed amongst all the conference teams equally. So if you make a run to the national championship game, like San Diego State did this year, other Mountain West teams are going to benefit from that. And the kickback eventually once, you know, everything kind of gets cycled through because they're on, uh, you know, a, a delay essentially where, you know, payouts from this year get paid out, you know, a year or two later and such because it's all very complicated and yada, yada, yada. That's going to come out to a couple million dollars per school, which in the Mountain West is pretty significant, right? But Brett, your mark thinking, well, we might be able to, you know, increase basketball's valuation there, or we think that it's going to become more valuable as time goes on, and we want to be poised to capitalize on that when it does happen. UConn and Gonzaga could make a lot of sense. UConn and San Diego State could make a lot of sense. Why we talked about that June 30th deadline on on yesterday's show, but. I don't think the Big 12 is moving on here, just to be clear, from from Colorado and Arizona. But I do think they're more actively considering other expansion options and ways to bolden their league beyond the Pac-12 schools because they are understanding the landscape and reading the situation and going, okay, this is out of our control, really. We've made our best pitch. Nobody has come our way yet. We aren't going to get them until we see the Pac-12 or until the Pac-12 media deal comes out. And that has to be below a certain dollar figure. And there's nothing we can do now to get these schools. And I think it's smart if you're the Big 12 to kind of understand what your next course of action is going to be. Our next course of action here on the show is to talk about the logistics of this stuff and how these schools get added and whether or not the Big 12 can actually do all of that. You can bet where this is all going to take place at FanDuel. You can bet anything you want over at FanDuel because they're America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And they've got all the college football action you could ever need. You can already, by the way, we are close enough to the college football season. You can bet individual games, not just win totals, not just conference champions, not just college football playoff appearances and whatnot. You can bet actual individual games that are going to take place this fall. We are very, very close. They have great promotions every day, safe, secure, super easy to use app with a great interface. Get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet all the action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, we have our second segment sip, and we are ready to keep things rolling along. As always, drop your thoughts in the YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12 if you ever want to just engage, have some friendly dialogue. been doing that a lot with some of you lately, and I love doing that. You can also send me mailbag questions, get them answered here on the show like my man Shorts All Year did. Spencer, I have a question, and I have an answer. If, and it is a big if, if Colorado rejoins the Big 12, I'm guessing it would be the 2024 season, but the new contract doesn't start until 2025. How does the Big 12 play Colorado in 2024? The leftover eight are already paying out of their own pockets for the four new, four new schools. Well, Oklahoma and Texas are doing that too. I'm guessing they could use the $100 million from Texas and Oklahoma, question mark? Yeah, okay, there you go. Same, th- same thought. But I thought the eight schools were going to use that money to offset the out-of-pocket for uh, the new schools. So the money that he's referring to there is $100 million from Texas and Oklahoma paid to the eight existing and remaining Big 12 members because Oklahoma and Texas opted to leave a year early for the SEC. 
So because of that, they violated or broke out of their grant of rights, and part of that is an exit fee. So anytime you leave a conference, going to talk about this later in the show as well, there is an exit fee because you have signed a grant of rights to that conference and there are outs, right? It's not, you know, illegal or anything, which is why this stuff can actually happen, but there's a penalty for that. And so Oklahoma and Texas were willing to pony up the money to leave a year earlier to get into the SEC for 2024. So the Big 12's media deal runs through 2030. The current deal is still in place, but what what's happened with the Big 12 is they didn't actually negotiate a new deal. This is why it's it's easier or it was easier for the Big 12 to, you know, jump the line so to speak as everybody says ahead of the Pac-12 and you know get their deal done and shore everything up and they're on solid ground and all that sort of stuff. They didn't actually craft a new deal. They extended their current deal. So in doing so, what they did is re-adjudicated the valuation of the conference from a media rights standpoint and then set up you know what the payouts will be and it's going to average out to 31.6 million dollars per school per year now the previous deal was around 20 million dollars right which gives you a sense of how big these these deals have jumped in valuation how valuable live sport live sports continue to be for all these networks so when that happened they were able to get more than they had with Texas and Oklahoma, which is like a cool headline that you could throw out there. But what you're leaving out is that if Texas and Oklahoma had stayed, the Big 12 would have been getting well over 40, probably closer to 50-ish. It probably would have been, you know, it's all uh, prognosticating and guessing at this point. But certainly, they would have been well over the $40 million threshold, and they probably would have been closer to 50 than 40 per school had Oklahoma and Texas stayed, which shows you how valuable individual schools or a pair of schools can be for a conference. And, you know, the Pac-12, we don't know where they're going to end up landing financially. The best guess that anyone can make is between Eh, you know, 25 and 35 million, somewhere in there, they too would have been well over 40 had UCLA and USC stuck around because you would have kept that television market and you would have kept those uh, individual football products. But so under the new deal, what the, what they have in there is what's called a pro rata clause, rata, rata, whatever. I understand it to be rata. And what happens in that clause is as as it is written, any school that gets added, and, and by the way, this is very smart of Brett Yormark to have this in the contract or the Big 12 or you know everybody that negotiated and such. It's a very smart thing to have. So their contract is with ESPN and it is with Fox. And so if the Big 12 adds an institution to its conference that is a Power 5 program, Colorado, Arizona, I don't know if UConn would count because they are not Power 5 football they are independent footballs, but they are power six basketball. But I, I imagine that would be closer to a G5 uh, valuation addition there. It doesn't mean they, they wouldn't be worthwhile for uh, the Big 12 and such. But if a school from a power five conference is added to the Big 12 under their current and the next deal, ESPN will up the value of the deal to 100% of what they currently pay and Fox is willing to pay about 90% or so, which means that it might come down a little bit, but it's not going to come down a bunch. So basically, if Colorado were to get added, the Big 12 payout would not be, like if you added Colorado and Arizona, 
the Big 12 payouts from the media rights contract per school might drop down to like $31 million, right? But it's not, it's, it's not shifting in intangible fashion. But they have that in there for this very reason. Because your Mark knew that he wanted to try to continue to be aggressive. And he has been. And he's continuing. You know, I talked about how it's kind of softened at this point earlier. But he has continued over the last several months to ratchet up the pressure as much as possible on the so-called four corner schools to try to lobby them to come to the big 12 get colorado to return and whatnot but that's how it would that's how it would essentially go down now the hundred million dollars from texas and oklahoma goes i'm sure the conference takes a you know a cut off the top but it goes to the eight holdover institutions there now my understanding of the way that those payments get get delivered is they aren't going to the conference to pay for the new schools, the G5 editions, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF. They're going to the universities, and that's who they are obligated to because that's who is being wronged or deprived of future earnings because of Oklahoma and Texas's early departure. And those athletic departments and universities can then choose whatever that dollar figure ends up being, you know, $10 million or so per school in that range. They can then decide how best to use that money. I paused there just to make sure that we all had kind of had a moment to let it sit because it can be complicated. Money goes here and it goes there. And who does it go to and who's it paid out to? That is my understanding of, of the situation there. And with regards to, you know, the new schools needing to be paid for and whatnot, every time a G5 school gets added to a Power 5 conference, that conference does not make them a full media rights earning member right away. Because when you're making that jump, there is a jump in competition level that might take some time to adjust to, less so nowadays, perhaps with a transfer portal. If San Diego State and SMU end up getting added to our beloved Conference of Champions, then we'll see just how quickly they can make that adjustment. But that's going to be a show for a later date, we hope. But there's an adjustment period there. You're playing new matchups. But the biggest thing is, from a television standpoint, you provide value to a conference by playing on TV and people watch your games. But if you come from the G5 level, it's not as likely that you have as many ready-made television products that can attract people outside of just their immediate market, right? Or just their immediate fan base. So that's why when you look at TV viewership at, at the G5 level and conferences all over the country, it's in the hundreds of thousands, you know, the low to mid hundreds of thousands. And then as you get to, you know, low end power five schools, you know, the one, one of the least viewed teams in the Pac-12, for instance, is is Arizona State. They still average, I think the number is somewhere around like 700,000 viewers per game in 2022. That would be the most viewed or one of the most viewed, at least, but I'm pretty sure that the, the top television product from a numbers standpoint on a per game basis than anybody in the G5. And part of the reason that that is the case is because when Arizona State plays or when Washington plays on TV or when Oregon State or whoever or Utah plays on TV, you don't just have the people in that market watching, right? So, Take Oregon, for instance. I know I you know, mention them quite a bit in this sort of stuff, but they're also kind of an important player in all of these discussions. 
Oregon has consistently been one of the most valuable television products in football for the Pac-12 over the last several years. They do not exist in a major media market. They, they exist in a decent one in Portland, but it is not even top two in the conference right now. It is below uh, Seattle, I'm I'm almost certain. I know it's below the Bay Area, and I'm pretty sure it's lower than Denver as well. Someone can fact check me on that. But it is not a huge market. So how does Oregon get that sort of viewership? They have a brand that gets viewed by people outside of just their immediate geographical footprint. And when you get these big, giant television products as a college football team, what you have in terms of the most viewed teams is you have a giant brand and you have a big market. So Cincinnati coming to the Big 12 has had you know a baseline level of viewership at the G5 level that has been quite good. When they play in the Big 12 and you suddenly have Cincinnati playing Oklahoma State, that's going to be a more viewed product than Cincinnati playing East Carolina, for instance, in the American. Same team, same market, but the matchup and the time that the game is played determines the viewership there. So Cincinnati, by the way, is in the same base media market as Ohio State. But Ohio State is the most viewed team in the country as of 2022, I believe, or in 2022, I should say, because they have a big market that they have access to, but they have a huge brand. And so the ability for G5 schools to earn their way to being full contributing members to the conference from a media rights standpoint to where they should be getting a full payout can take a long time. TCU is frankly the best example of this. So TCU joined the Big 12 from the Mountain West. If you looked at their viewership numbers when they first joined the Big 12 and what they were doing in the Mountain West, compared to what they did in the Big 12, compared to what they do in the Big 12 now, they're one of the most viewed teams in the Big 12, actually. This past season, they had crazy good numbers because they had a really, really good season. That is them adjusting to the level of competition over time, competing at a very high level, and now they are at the point where they hold their own from a viewership standpoint, which is which drives ad dollars and revenue and all that sort of stuff in, in a media rights contract. So, any G5 school that gets added is not going to be a full earning member right away, but one day they can become a contributor. Utah, great example. They were essentially tied. They were technically, I think, a notch below, or a, but, but it, was, it, it was negligible. So they, they basically averaged the same amount of viewership as Washington this past year. Washington that is in a bigger media market in Seattle than Salt Lake City that has a longer, more established brand in college football. Utah has elevated themselves into being one of the top television draws in the Pac-12. And they can draw people to a game outside of just Salt Lake City. And that is what takes time for G5 schools to be able to do. I've seen a few Cincinnati games or UCF games over the last several years. But when they join the Big 12, I, as a Pac-12 fan, am going to watch more of them, and I will not be the only one. So that's kind of the best way that, that I can explain that. I hope that that is uh, clear enough for you. If it's not, by all means, let me know, and I'll try and dive into anything uh, that, that was not clear there. But wrapping up today's show with a couple notes on, uh, on, on the G5 note, by the way. So 
I, I've talked about how, you know, June 30th is the deadline for San Diego State to leave before the exit fee doubles to $34 million. They, they could, a couple people pointed this out, and you were all right, which is why I love talking to you, because sometimes I see thoughts on there that make me roll my eyes, and sometimes I see things like commentary on San Diego State the other day where I went, yeah, actually, no, that's right. Yeah, this, this could happen. So San Diego State has to leave by June 30th or the exit fee doubles, or theoretically, it would not be ideal, and I might have to explore this more on tomorrow's show, they could wait, be in the Mountain West again, the Mountain West would certainly take them, and then they could announce next year that they were joining the Pac-12 for and go in 2025 and not have to pay you know, as large of an exit fee. It, it is an option. But so... With regards to SMU, right? So I, I've talked about San Diego State and you know, you know what what their sort of timeline is there. I looked up uh, the bylaws in the American Athletic Conference where SMU currently sits, and Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston, who just defected from the American to the Big Twelve, are having to pay a buyout to the conference of eighteen million dollars each, which for those schools. When you're coming from the G5 level, there's not as much money. That is a that is a pretty penny. That is a really really hefty amount. It's more than I thought it was going to be. Now, the the base fee for leaving the conference is actually 10 million, but because Cincinnati, UCF and Houston did so early, right? They didn't give enough notice. They uh and and, and the notice is is 27 months. The exit fee is is higher and goes above that ten million mark. So, the Air, the American requires twenty seven months of notice, which is just over two calendar years. I know there were some people out there thinking on twelve and twelve. Don't worry, I've thought about it. Two years and three months is what they require. So, those schools were not outside of that framework they were in and and and, you know the the way that that timeline works is when you tell a school tell the conference you are leaving if the timeline in which you are leaving is within 27 months of the date you announce your exit fee is significantly higher it's somewhere between 17 to 20 million they negotiated it and it's 18 million dollars and they're going to be paying it in installments over the next several years because they are not programs that have 18 million dollars just lying around like texas and oklahoma and whatnot and those installments are going to be paid by the way over the next 11 years because again those are the sorts of budgets and or budgetary restrictions that an American conference team has. So SMU has a lot of money. They have a lot of money. So their exit fee would be somewhere between, because we are well within 27 months, their exit, exit fee would be somewhere within 17 to $20 million, perhaps because we're closer than Cincinnati, BYU, or Cincinnati UCF, and Houston were. It would be closer to 20 million, but UCF or, or SMU rather, too many three letter schools. Sorry, <laughs> it's just an aside. SMU is a place that has oodles and oodles of cash. And if these can be paid in installments over several years, amounting to not quite $2 million a year, SMU's got that. They have got a lot of wealthy donors, they've got plenty of money. If they join, I've talked about this before. If SMU joins the Pac-12, they would be. If you're talking about the the amount of financial capital available to donors, boosters, the school, 
in general and whatnot, they would be top half of the conference. They have got a lot of cash. So that would be no problem. So the timeline for SMU, not as rushed as it is for San Diego State because SMU is already within that threshold of 27 months, whereas San Diego State is June 30th. So SMU can kind of get added whenever. San Diego State would like to be added before June 30th. My goodness, did we get through a lot on today's show. All driven by fantastic questions coming from you. Keep them coming. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.